Well, good morning again. Wow. How do, how do you know God? How do you know that there is a God and that if there is a God, since there is a God, how do you know that God? Did you see Him? Did you find a picture of Him somewhere? Did you hear a voice from the heavens? How do you know there's a God? How, how do you know who that God is? Good question. I think it's a question that we, we take for granted sometimes. You might say, well, the Bible tells us who God is and, and, and shares with us who God is. But, well, how did we, how did we come up with the Scriptures? Where did they come from? As we continue in our series of the mighty acts of God, I think that, that we need to come to the understanding that the only way that we know God is because He has revealed Himself to us. I believe there's a fundamental truth that we would not know God if He did not reveal Himself to us. Yes, we are made in the image of God. And and this image, I believe, is what stirs within us a desire to know God. Every culture that that we've studied through the history of mankind has had some kind of religious expression. A seeking of God in their own context, in their own culture. Yet because of our sinfulness, because of our fallenness, we are unable to know God, and therefore we create religion and we create gods that are made in our image. Again, we need to understand that the only way that we can know God is by Him revealing Himself to us. And that's why as we come to this moment of of these mighty acts of God and moving us towards Easter Sunday, it's important to stop in Genesis chapter 12. Now a couple of weeks ago we talked about the creation and certainly the, the first creation, I'm, I'm sorry, the creation is the first place and the first way that God has revealed Himself to us. And we talked about this a couple of weeks ago. Theologians would call this a general revelation. Romans 1 verses 18 through 20 says that, that all men and women are without excuse. Because within the creation, there's enough of God's revelation that we are all responsible before Him. Psalm 19 verse 1 says this, The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the works of His hands. God has revealed Himself to us through creation. And we are accountable for that revelation. But when we get to chapter 12, there's a a new kind of revelation. There's what theologians would call a a special revelation. It's a revelation to a people. It's a, a revelation to Abraham. What I would want to call a covenant relationship. A covenant relationship in which God says to Abraham, I'm going to come and and to be your God and you're going to be my people so that I can reveal myself to you 
in more specific ways, in ways that go beyond what's possible simply through creation. Now I chose this phrase, covenant relationship. It's, it's an interesting rela- or, or phrase, isn't it? When I think of covenant relationship, I think of marriage. Now we're, we're all aware that in our society today, there's a great battle going on about what marriage is and isn't. And the reality is, is that over the last maybe 200 plus years, but at least over the last generation, we have moved more and more away from the idea as a nation that marriage is a covenant relationship into the idea that marriage is a social contract. But as we see here in Scripture, as we see throughout the Old and the New Testament, God is inviting Abraham into a unique and covenant relationship, much like, I would say, marriage was intended to be out of Genesis chapter 2. As we move into the New Testament, we get an even deeper revelation, understanding of what marriage is. Marriage is, in Ephesians 5, a picture of how God, through Jesus Christ, relates in covenant to His people. Marriage, covenant relationship, is the great revealer. Now think about it. The person in this world that knows me the best is my wife. And it's a miracle that she knows me good and bad and that she's still with me. Right? And we celebrate 24 years of marriage tomorrow. And we're excited about that. And, and yet, yeah. And as I would say, we're, we're not quite as far as some of you are and we're a little bit further than some of you others. But isn't that true? Isn't marriage this covenant relationship in which we... We enter into this intimate relationship and we reveal ourselves to one another through the course of a lifetime. I would say that that there's probably some areas of my life where gay knows me better than I know me. And probably the same is true, that I know her in some better ways than she even knows herself. Because why? Because we've committed ourselves to a covenant relationship. Not a conditional relationship, but a covenantal one. That says we want to grow and share our lives together in a way that we share ourselves and we, we reveal ourselves in more, in more ways as that relationship matures. I think the same is true of this covenantal relationship that God entered into with Abraham. Look at Genesis 12, verses 1 through 3, is, this, is where this, this covenant relationship is, is first entered into. At the age of 75, now this, again, we're, we're past the, the pre-flood days where people live to be like a thousand years old. I mean, we're, we're 120 years as max, according to Scripture here. Abraham, 75 years old. Where are my 75-year-olds? Alright, are you ready to have a kid and to move to foreign lands and start over? (laughs) Maybe some of you, right? 75 years of age, God comes to Abraham and He says this, Go forth from your country, and I will make you a great nation, 
and I will bless you, and I will make your name great, and so you shall be a blessing. And in you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. Now, of course, as we read the, the rest of the story, we understand that Abraham doesn't have any children. He's 75 years old, and God comes and enters into covenant relationship with him, or invites Abraham into covenant relationship, and says, I'm going to make you the father of of a great nation, or of many nations, of a great people. And Abraham chooses to enter into this covenant relationship, and he leaves. He goes forth at 75 years of age. Now, now ten years later, still no children, and Abraham, he's 85 now, Okay, God, I'm, I'm beginning to appreciate this covenant. I still want to believe this covenant. Yet there's no kids yet. So we go to Genesis chapter 15, verses 5 and 6. And God restates and, and remakes that covenant, reminds Abraham of the covenant that He made with him. Starting in verse 5, And the Lord took Abraham outside and said, Now look toward the heavens and count the stars, if you are able to count them, so shall your descendants be. Eighty-five years of age. And Abraham put his faith in Yahweh. And for that reason, he credited to him as righteousness. At eighty-five years of age, Abraham still believes this covenant relationship, this promise that God has made. Now, there's still some doubting along the way. And we see here in the next months and, and years or so that Sarai and Abram take matters into their own hand and produce or, or have a, an offspring born to Abram that's outside of the marriage covenant relationship to Hagar. At 86 years of age, he becomes a father. But this we discover, this we learn is not the child of covenant, is not the child of promise. So now we're in Genesis chapter 17, Abram is 99 years old. And God's not even begun yet, right? Look what the Scripture says in, in chapter 17, verse 1. I am God Almighty. Walk before me and be blameless. And then in verse 7, He continues, And I will establish my covenant between me and you and your descendants after you throughout their generations for an everlasting covenant to be God to you and to your descendants after you. And as we heard earlier, this is the passage where God says, now your name is changed from Abram to Abraham, the father of nations. At 99 years of age, God reminds Abram. He says, you're not Abram anymore, you're Abraham. This is the name of the covenant. And at 99 years of age, Sarah becomes Sarah and becomes pregnant. And Isaac is born. But do you see it's through this covenant relationship that God begins to reveal Himself. Look back in 17 verse 1. For the first time, for the first time in Scripture, maybe the first time in, in history, God comes to Abraham and say, Abram and says, I am God Almighty. Abram's 99 years old. He's tried to, to produce offspring his own way. And God says, Abram, you need to understand, 
I am God Almighty. This is El Shaddai. I am El Shaddai. He reveals Himself to Abram in covenant with Him. He says, I am the mighty God, and if you'll walk with Me, and if you'll be blameless before Me, then, then I'm going to show you how mighty I am, and you're going to be the father of the son through Sarah. God reveals Himself in covenant relationship to Abraham. And now, thousands of years later, we can read it in Genesis chapter 17 that God is El Shaddai. Brad's painting today a picture of Abraham and that act of, of obedience, that act of sacrifice, of, of giving up his son Isaac, the son of promise. In Genesis 22, which is where that story is told, God says, or Abraham says to Isaac, when Isaac says, well, where's the lamb? And Abraham says, God will provide. How many of you know that God provides? How many of you know that God is provider? How do you know that? Well, you would say, well, because I've experienced it. Well, how do you know that that just wasn't coincidence? How do you know that you just weren't lucky? I mean, you were just lucky that day, and, and somehow God came along and provided. So, or, or just the stars were in alignment, and, and you were provided whatever you needed. How do you know it just didn't happen like that? It wasn't just mere chance. How do you know that God provided? Well, because here in Genesis chapter 22, God identifies Himself as the God who will provide. Jehovah Jireh. And God has revealed Himself as the one that provides when the need is there. And we know that because God revealed it to us through Abraham. You see, God is revealing Himself continually. Or, or as we read through the Old Testament, we discover how God revealed Himself uniquely through a people so that we might know Him better. So that we don't have to guess who God is. Because God has revealed Himself. And so now as God provides in our life, as we find provision in our life, we know that it wasn't by chance. We know that Jehovah Jireh is provided. And we can celebrate and give thanks to Him because of that. So how are we to respond to God's revelation? God comes and He reveals Himself to us. What, what, what is Abraham's response? Again, as we've read in Scripture in Genesis 17, as we've seen in, in Genesis 12, 1, we walk with God. When God reveals Himself to us, we, we walk with Him. We, we continue in His path. Again, listen to these three examples that we've taken from Genesis. In Genesis 12, 1, God's invitation to his revelation to Abram is, go forth from your country. So what does Abraham do? He, Abram, he, he goes forth from his country. Genesis 15, the Scripture says when, when Yahweh, when God reveals or, or re, restates His promise, the Scripture says Abraham put his faith in Yahweh. Abraham believed in Yahweh. Genesis 17, when, when God says, I am God Almighty, what does Abraham do? Well, he walks with God. Hebrews 11 says this, verse 8 through 10, 
By faith Abraham, when he was called, he obeyed. And he went out, not knowing where he was going, looking for the city which has foundations, whose architect and builder is God. Abraham responded to the revelation of God by going, by walking with Him, by moving into a place where he had no idea where he was going. Isn't it interesting? Here we are in Genesis 12 and Genesis 15 and Genesis 17. And the invitation to God's revelation is what? Is to walk with Him. Isn't that what Adam and Eve were invited to do in the garden? When God created them and and revealed Himself to them through creation was to walk in the garden with Him. Didn't we read and and learn in in Genesis chapter, I believe, 5 as we see this great... uh, heritage of, of, of folks through the years, and then to describe that Enoch was the one that walked with God. And last week as we discovered, as we walked through the story of Noah, didn't we discover that Noah was found righteous? Why? Because he walked with God. And now Abram, through the revelation of God, is invited to walk with God. How is it that we're to respond to God moving and working and revealing self in our lives to walk with Him, to have faith in Him, to be obedient to Him. This is why we were created, to walk with Him. So what does it mean that God revealed Himself to Abraham? What does it mean that we study the testimony of Abraham's people and see that God revealed Himself to a people many years ago. We have record of it through the Scriptures. As we begin the New Testament, I'm fascinated that Matthew 1.1 is the first sentence of the New Testament. It says, The record of the genealogy of Jesus the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Jesus is the fulfillment of the Abrahamic covenant. Jesus tells His disciples, if you've seen Me, you've seen the Father. Just as God's revelation to Abraham was to to walk with Him, so too is God's revelation to us through Jesus. Listen to how Jesus says it throughout the Gospels. Follow Me. The Great Commission, as you are going. Jesus says, I am the way. He says, abide in me. In elaborating on the idea of following him, he says, take up your cross and come after me. Why does God reveal himself to us? What is the purpose of his revelation? Why do we have the story of his revelation in our scriptures? It's so that we might walk with Him, so that we might come by faith and see how God reveals Himself to us and walk in obedience in that way. But the problem or the challenge of walking with God, I think is Abraham's problem. He didn't know where God was going to take him. And that's why walking with God takes trust and faith. The reality is that most of us are very content with staying in our own country. 
And we are Lord of our own country, aren't we? How many of us, now be honest with yourself, how many of us live in a country, we live in a place where we don't need God? Abram would have never become Abraham had he not left Haran. But you see, God promises something better. He promises us a city with foundations, a city where He is the architect, where He is the builder. And if we are honest with ourselves, the reason that so many of our lives, our homes, our families, our community, and our world are a mess, it's because we've built them on poor foundations. We've built them upon our own foundations. And when the storms and the floods of life come, our foundations crumble. And everything that we have built on those foundations crumbles to the ground. But through Abraham, God reveals Himself in a redeeming way. And He says, I'm going to build a foundation. And in Jesus Christ, the foundation is laid. The foundation is complete. Now we certainly would agree that it's hard to walk to a destination that we know not of. How can we be sure that our walking just doesn't turn into aimless wandering through life? How can we be sure that if there is a foundation, I'm sorry, if there is a promised land, if there is this city where God is architect and builder, how can we be sure that we're going to end up there and not somewhere else? I think the answer to that question is found in who God has revealed Himself to be. God is faithful. God is faithful. And if He comes to us and He says, Abram, it's time. You're 75. But it's time to pack your things and to begin walking. Where are we going? Well, we're going to a a promised land. We're going to a place where I'm the architect and I'm the builder. And I just need you to pack up and we're going to begin to walk that way. Listen to how, listen to the testimony of God's people in Psalms 100, verse 5. The people of God, the recipients of Abraham's covenant, after generations of living in covenant relationship with him, here's their testimony, here's their worship. They simply proclaim, For the Lord is good. His loving kindness, that word loving kindness is his covenant love. His covenant love is everlasting. And His faithfulness is to all generations. Now some of you may be aware this is the the theme verse for our 125th anniversary. And it certainly is the testimony of our church. Of how God is good and how God is faithful. His loving kindness is forever. How can we be sure that when God calls us to go, that things are going to work out? Because God is faithful. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says it this way. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him, and He will make your paths straight. Trust in the Lord, and He will direct your paths. God is faithful. I want to thank you as a church, as a congregation, for praying me when 
Uh, I had the opportunity to go to Cuba a couple of weeks ago. It's an interesting story of getting there. In my days as I served as a journeyman missionary in Panama, I became acquainted with some folks from Cuba, and, and the Lord really began to put a burden on my heart to pray for, and that, that maybe one day God would allow you the opportunity to go to Cuba and to minister and to serve there. Twenty plus years later, that opportunity became a reality. Now one of our team members, there were about 22 of us that were going, one of our team members had something come up in his church like on the, the Friday before we were to leave, and he wasn't going to be able to go. So I was asked to teach his seminar. And so I was up at the church on Saturday evening, finishing up that preparation. It was about 7 o'clock at night, and we were leaving at 4 a.m. the next morning. And I got an email that said, wait, I don't have your phone number, it's urgent, please call me. And so I called at 7 o'clock on Saturday night and was told that we had not been granted our religious visas. And because our religious visas had not been granted, our, our religious permit to gather with 300 Cuban nationals had been denied. So we were a, a people with a mission but nowhere to go. And he said, you know, Wade, we're, we're going to go ahead and go. We think we can get a tourist visa when we go through Panama. But we're not for sure. We, we think we can. Of 22 that we're going to go on the trip, there's five of us, and we'd like for you to go with us. Don't bring your materials because everything's been canceled. We can't do those kinds of things while we're there. And we'd sure like for you to go. I said, well, since I don't have a sermon ready for tomorrow, I think I'm going. <laughs> Many of you were praying as we went, and we had no problems getting into, into Cuba. On Tuesday morning, I was asked to lead the devotion for our group of six. With two, We had two Cuban pastors with us and our driver. And I shared how God had been working in my life. I said, you know, here we were. I'd prepared. I'd studied. I had my notes. I had my notebook. I was ready to go, and I was ready to be a blessing. And you know what? All that was out the window. And God said... I want you to go. I have a plan for you. I don't want you to go on your time. I don't want you to go on your schedule. I don't want you to go on your journey. But I just want you to go and experience me in a new way. And to walk with me in Cuba. And whatever I reveal, whatever opportunities I provide, you'll know and you'll be able to serve me there. And so we went. We had a wonderful week. I was able to baptize a family of three I was able to preach a couple of times as we toured Cuba, as we, we were tourists, so we went to all the touristy spots, and you know, you'll never guess, there's a great work of the Spirit of God in Cuba, and there happened to be a church on every, every place that we went. And so we went, we met some incredible people, but as I was preparing for, for this sermon, as God has been stirring in my heart, the invitation came, Wade, will you go with me to Cuba? I've got some things that I really haven't shared with you yet, but I, I want you to go. And I want you to be available. And I want you to experience me in a new country, in a new way. And as I come back, I celebrate the incredible things that God showed and revealed of Himself to me when I went on a journey to a distant country where I didn't know where I was going. This morning, God continues to call all of us
individually, corporately, in our families, to a new country? Will you obey? Will we obey? Will we walk the path that God is making for us? Will we, like Abraham, follow God even when we're not sure where we're going? God is waiting to reveal Himself to us in new and redeeming ways. Let's not miss out. Let's travel and walk with Him, not knowing where we're going, not knowing where I'm going, not knowing where you're going, not knowing maybe where your family's going, but let's walk with Him anyway, confident that He is loving, that He is compassionate, that He is faithful, and that He promises to build for us a city where He is architect and He is builder. May we be faithful. May we obey as Abraham and go out even to that place where we do not know we are going.